0: Please stand.
1: Not so little though, way to go Ethan That was good man, that was good The word of the Lord says in First Chronicles 16, 28 Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name Bring an offering and come before him Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness Church we have gathered to worship a risen king, amen Woo! Amen, and we are glad that you are here to do that with us Uh, see some visitors Uh, I'm starting to learn some faces so I see a few new faces which is a good thing so we want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church we're so glad that you're here Uh, hopefully you got a bulletin when you came in inside that bulletin is a place for you to tear off a tab fill that out for us put that in the offering plate on the back of that is a place for prayer requests if we can pray for you in any way please please let us know we are here to worship Jesus We're also here because we are a family of God. So take a moment, welcome those around you, shake a hand, hug a neck, and tell them you're glad they're here. (laughs)
0: we <laughs> we thank you so much for this day, for this Christmas season. Dear God, we just thank you for the joy that is possible with your life in uh, ours, and just for you living in us, God, help us to, uh, to yield our life to you, to focus on you and not be distracted by uh, everything that can steal our joy, God, but just help us to live in, in the peace knowing that you're in control of everything and that you have our, uh, the best for us.
2: Some of you that just left the stage, and I'm wondering, man, was it one of you? Was it was it one of you kids? Thank you that hit that high note at the end. I, man, that was awesome. Well, listen. So you know that we've been uh, talking about uh, Jesus coming in, in the last few weeks. We talked about joy and and hope and peace. Um, and today we're going to talk about love. Now, there's a lot that's been said about love. Okay, but but there's been no greater demonstration of love than Jesus coming to this earth to go to the cross and die for us, okay? But I want to tell you about something that I love to do, too, and that is, um, well, put bows on this tree, okay? And I messed up last week. Division just completely, I missed that day in class, and I missed it. We need to add one more bow for last week. Can somebody do that for me? all right come on up here and get this put the bow up so we're gonna get last week straight and then what I'm gonna need is a couple of my teenagers to help because we got put a lot more bows on the tree this week okay you ready all right so this is what I need you to do um, for, so, so I need my children to line up right here just line up in single file and I'm gonna give you a bow and uh, I'm gonna ask one more time for my teenagers to come up here before I start calling you out by name so I need a teenager, come on, come on up this way. I need somebody, I need some help. There you go, good. All right. So, help. You go up here and help them get the boat onto the tree. So here's one. All right. And uh, who who else wants to put one up there? Just come on up in line. Here we go. Just come up. This is organized mass chaos. Sanctuary edition. Yeah. All right. So. And after you put, hey, you got to wait till I give it to you. I'll just take my bow. All right. It might, it might be one that goes in my hair. All right, I'm going to come down here to give more room. All right. You, you, do you guys think I'm counting the right number of bows here today? I don't know. I'm not even counting. I just hope I get it right. Well, this is fantastic. Here we go. I need, I need a couple more a couple more bow helpers, anybody? There we go. And there's one. All right. I got one bow left. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've raised enough money to put 23 of the 24 bows on the tree. All right. So we're gonna hold out one more. And hopefully we get to add this next week, okay? So now, here's the. this is the most difficult part. Now I need everybody to come and sit back down right here. All right? Let's come on back down. Whoop, there we go. Oh, we're good, We're good. So, love. And you know what this tree represents? It, 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 it represents money that we're giving to missionaries that can go and tell people that God loves them. And go tell people that God loves them all over the world. So we're going to talk about what it means to have the love of Jesus. So, Carter and Luke, if you will, uh, tell us a little bit about love and the love of Christ this time at Christmas. Now, y'all pay attention right here. These guys are good. Listen to what they got to say.
3: シュート
4: Japanese Christians joining with missionaries and homeless people
1: 2010 I had the opportunity to go for 10 days to Kobe, Japan to work with some of our international missionaries over there. We were there 10 days and the first or second day I remember our missionary family telling us about the forest. The number of Japanese that would walk into the forest and never come out. And one of the main means of transportation over in Japan at least where we were was train, uh, and it was really cool they were really nice trains and these trains were always on time I mean always ten days there was only one time the train arrived on time and we got on the train and we sat there and we sat there and we didn't sit there probably longer than 15 or 20 minutes but when you're told they're always on time and up to that point they've always been on time We knew something was off. And so we went back. We were out, actually, the five of us that went, doing a little sightseeing. And we went back to the missionary's home later that day and told them about it. And she said, I can almost guarantee you, somebody jumped in front of a train. And that's why it was delayed. Only 1% of the population in Japan identify themselves as Christians. The very first night we were there, I was talking to a man in his 20s. And he told me something that blew me away. He said, the first time I heard the name Jesus was was when I was 18 years old. And I had to come to the United States of America to go to college. And that's the first time I heard the name Jesus. I think I heard the name Jesus probably in the hospital when I was born. I just didn't realize that's what was going on at the time, right? I mean, I've always... Heard the name Jesus. I mean, think about that. Ninety-nine percent of the population in Japan don't know Jesus Christ as Lord. They don't have the peace, the hope, and the joy that we've talked about these last three weeks. And the reason they lack those things is because they don't know the love of God. Church, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know. This isn't just happening in other countries or in places like Japan. It's happening in our own backyard. So many, Christians and non-Christians, struggling with depression, addictions, hopelessness, even suicide. Every one of us in this room knows someone or have been impacted somehow by someone getting to the point where they felt so hopeless and so unloved many different reasons go into that where they either took their life or thought about taking their life and man there are times if we're honest I just wonder is there any hope amidst the brokenness and the wreckage of the world in which we live and the answer is yes amen there is hope and so would you take your bibles and turn to luke chapter one luke chapter one We're going to start in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to help just unfold for you a story. And then I'm going to come back, and about halfway through, I've got some things that we'll put on the screen. But the first part of of the message this morning is is just hearing a story. A story sometimes that maybe we've heard so often loses its power. So Luke chapter 1, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. If you'll please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And Matthew 1, 21, we read, "You will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And in John three sixteen, the verse that we know, "For God so what loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life." A son, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. Church, this is nothing less than a love story. This is the love story of all love stories that blows all of your Christmas Hallmark movies away, right? This is a love story, and this is one you and I never could have seen coming. But church, understand, this love story doesn't begin here in Luke chapter 1. This story begins in eternity past, before the foundation of the world, before creation. For in the beginning, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, living in fellowship with one another. Church, understand, our God is didn't need anything, he wasn't dependent on anything, he was not lonely or needy. That's not why he created. If somebody has ever told you God made you because he needed you, that's a lie. If if they say God created you because he was dependent upon someone else, that's a lie. That's not why God created. In the beginning, God. Michael Reeves writes, God the Father has always enjoyed showering his love on his Son. And in creating, he rejoices to shower it on children he loves through the sun. Why does God do this? Why does he create? If he's not needy, if he's not lonely, why does he do it? Because the love he has for the Son, he chooses to share with you and me. He creates us so that we can we might know him and so that he might love us. See, our God is not one who hoards life but he freely gives it away. So God, out of his love and out of his abundant, overflowing goodness, created. God gives life. And God, there in Genesis chapter 1, begins to create. And as you read Genesis chapter 1, we notice quickly that God creates out of his imagination. Aren't you thankful that our God is creative? Amen? Like you think of the seasons. Like this is new to Ryan and I. We haven't we haven't experienced this in eight and a half years. Because in Florida you got hot and hotter, right? But he's given us seasons, and for some of you, you love the seasons. But we think of this time of the year, the Christmas lights. You know how boring it would be to drive up to every house and the only light was to be white or red. Like the only color we ever saw was red. But God, when he creates, out of his imagination, his creativity gives us many colors. This time of the year, we gather with family and we eat. And we eat a lot. And aren't you thankful when you gather with that family, there won't just be manna? Now, manna would have been wonderful if that's all you got. But God and his creativity has given us far more. And it tastes amazing. God creates according to his imagination. But when it comes to mankind, it's not out of his imagination. But he creates us according to his image. His pinnacle of creation, man, is made from the image of God, made to know him, made to enjoy him, made to love him. And it starts out amazing and then enters the serpent serpent says to Adam and Eve God's creation this question did God really say did God really say that you can enjoy all of this but you can't eat from this one tree did God really say in other words can your God your creator be trusted is God really as good as he can be because if he was really good, he would just let you have it all. He's holding this back from you. He's not good. He can't be trusted. He begins to plant these seeds of doubt in their minds. And we all know what happens. They eat. They buy it. And at that moment, all creation groans. To this day, according to Romans, creation continues to groan. And into their hearts Adam and Eve whom God created in his image to know him and love him and live with him into their hearts rush shame what do they realize oh my goodness I have no clothes on they realize for the first time they're naked that's shame shame begins to enter into their hearts into their hearts rush mistrust can Eve be trusted can Adam be trusted can God be trusted The serpent obviously couldn't be trusted. That's where they went wrong. Enter into their hearts. We know this one all too often, blame shifting. Not my fault, Eve's fault. Not my fault, Satan's fault. It's not my fault, it's my spouse's fault. And we live in our hearts with blame shifting. Into their hearts rush brokenness. they are broken. And into their hearts rush fear and guilt. For they begin to try to hide. From their Creator. Russ Ramsey writes, if all that was now broken was ever to be restored, God himself would have to be the one to do it. But how far would he go for this? Would he deal with the tempter? How could he take away their guilt and their shame? Was there anything he could do that would blot out their transgression and cleanse their consciousness? Were they going to die? Now that death was in the world, would it ever leave and here we find ourselves asking the same question over and over and over is there any hope amidst the brokenness and the wreckage that is in our world and the answer is yes there is hope for god speaks god speaks first to the serpent, the devil. He curses the devil. He gives the devil bad news and for us what is great news. For he tells the devil his days are numbered. That in Genesis chapter 3, there is a descendant. There's an offspring of woman who would come. And when that offspring comes, the serpent will strike his heel. But that offspring of woman would crush the serpent's head. And at that moment, All of Adam and Eve's hopes and all my hopes lie in this offspring, in this descendant who is to come. Who he would be, we don't know. We're just in Genesis chapter 3. But we know there is one to come. God then speaks to Adam and Eve. Yes, he curses them for their sin. Yes, life is about to get real hard. Coming into the world would be a struggle. Amen, ladies? When you bring a life into this world, it's a struggle. Living in this world will be a struggle. And leaving this world, for many of us, will be a struggle. As we wrestle with different ailments and illnesses, mental and physical, and as we transition, it's a struggle. But, but God. God would not stop loving Adam and Eve. He would not abandon them. Yes, they must leave the garden naked, broken, ashamed, right? But as they leave, he doesn't make them leave naked, right? He clothes them. He provides for them. For in an act of love and grace, the scripture says the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. Russ Ramsey in his The Advent of the Lamb of God writes, it wasn't the man or the woman who shed this blood to make these coverings. This was the work of the Lord. And all of this in three chapters of the Bible. And this was only the beginning of his work, only the beginning of his story. As the people of God waited for the promised descendant, the one promised offspring. And as God's people wait for the descendant, God continues to show his love and his grace to his people. So as we begin to read through the Old Testament, right, we're introduced to people like Noah, And Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, and Joshua, and the Judges, and Ruth, and Esther, and David, and the kings, and Elijah, and Elisha, and Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, and Jonah, and Malachi. All doing things for God, but none of them are the one. None of them are the one who will rescue save God's people and then then God goes silent 400 years of God's people waiting and waiting and waiting for the one the descendant the offspring who would come and make all things right and they wait until Gabriel to Zechariah. He says, You will have a son. You shall call his name John. But he's not the one. He's the forerunner to the one. He's the one to come to prepare the way for the offspring. But he is not the one. And so here we are still waiting for the one. And that's where it picks back up in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a what? A son. This is the one. This is the offspring that will make all things right. This is Jesus. We have waited for him. They had waited for him. This is Jesus. For he will come and defeat Satan and make all things new. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Church, this son, this son that we worship, this son that we sing about is unlike any child to be born. And he came because of love. He came because of love. So let me consider two things with you this morning. Number one is this. Who is this son? Who is Jesus? The answer to that question is critical, and we could spend a long amount of time on this, but who is Jesus? Five things. uh, They're going to appear up on the screen. Number one, this Jesus is man. He's a man, fully man. Verse 31 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, starting in in the year 2020, we're going to begin a study through the book of 1 John. 1 John is, is an amazing book that deals with a lot of false and teaching that was going on at the time. And so we're going to look a lot as we work through that book, who Jesus is, that Jesus is fully man and how vital that is for our salvation. So he is man. He was a son born. But notice he's also God. He is fully God, verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. If you drop down to verse 35, it says, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Jesus is God, the Supreme One, the Sovereign One, above all, Most High. Jesus is also, thirdly, sinless. He is sinless. Jesus, unlike you, was born without sin. Jesus, unlike you, lived without sin. Jesus, unlike you, died without sin. When you die, you'll die in your sin. Jesus is sinless, though he knew no sin. Just chew on that this week. Jesus never disrespected his mom or dad. Never got into a fight with his Brother or sister never lost his patience with the lady at Walmart or wherever they shop back then, right? Jesus never not wants sin. You won't go the next hour without sinning. Some of you might be sinning right now, right? You, Without sin. He knew no sin. Fourth, Jesus is sovereign. Sovereign, verse 32 he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the lord god will give to him the throne of his father david for he will reign over the house of jacob forever church let me remind you that jesus christ is in control amen and when you are about to lose sight of that when you let the tv station whatever you choose to watch or the newspaper right it begins to get in your heart and you begin to get angry and you begin to think things are falling apart just remember jesus still on the throne he's ruling and he's reigning he is sovereign he is savior he is Savior. he came to save us from our sins this is who jesus is We'll talk a little bit more about that again tonight, but this is who Jesus is. Which then leads to the second question. How can we know that this God loves us? That's what the theme is this morning, right? Love. We've we've seen the story unfold, but how do we really know God loves us? Because God sent his son, the God-man, the sinless, sovereign savior to die for you. That's how you know God loves you. It's that clear. God loves you. We know that because the Bible declares this. The Bible declares God's love for you. For God so loved the world, God initiated this love. Not because we deserve it, but because he delights in loving, saving, and setting apart a people to know him and enjoy him. Listen to this verse. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Listen to this. And so we are. Now, I'm an emotional person. You've probably figured that out by now. But I'm not one who's really big on feelings. I could ask you right now, does God love you? Some of you might say, Well, I don't feel that God loves me. I don't feel like he loves me. Listen, take those feelings, please, and set them aside. Go back to the word of God. 1 John 3.1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Hear me. I don't care if you feel why like God loves you. I'm telling you He does because His Word says He does. You say, well, I don't know if I'm a child of God or not. If you've ever believed in Him, trusted in Him, put your life in Him and hoped in Him, you are a son or a daughter. That is good news. And the Bible declares the love of God. We also know God loves us because the death of Jesus displays this. Romans 5.8 God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't overlook that sinners part. When did God send Jesus to die for you? Wasn't on your best day. Was it when, man, you you look back on the day and you're like, man, I got it all right today as a mom. I got it all right today as a husband. Today was a good day. I had a good day at work, man. I got every, I'm doing everything right. I'm in church, and everything's going great. This is when God died for me, when God sent Jesus for me. No, it's while you were a sinner. And that is good news for the broken. And that's good news for the lost. And that's good news for the messed up. And that's good news for those who are at the point of hopelessness. Because they don't feel they're worthy to be loved. And none of us are. And yet in that moment, they can come to know the love of God for sinners. You and I just need to tell them, God loves you. We love you. Third, Jesus taught this. Jesus taught that the Father loved us. Let me read a couple verses. John 17, 24. Just listen to these. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known, listen to this, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. All church, do you see this? The love the Father has for the Son is being shared with us. This isn't a wishy-washy, sentimental, conditional kind of love. The eternal love the Father has for the Son has been lavished upon you. And God loves you. It's a great quote by C. H. Spurgeon. It's so good. I'm going to put it on the screen. And I just want you to read it. I'm not even going to make a comment for a moment. Just read it. Spurgeon said, remember this, that had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. God like know, the older I get, the more I realize how hard thanksgiving and christmas can be as you begin to try to navigate life without somebody in your life who's gone on to be with the lord who has passed away right you're dealing with different things illnesses of kids sickness in your own life a loss of a job right it's easy for us to begin to look at our circumstances and say god there has to be something better for me why am i not there Why are you not being good to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why me? But church, if we would get in our hearts that God loves us as much as he loved his son, and if we would get in our hearts that God is in control over everything, then if there was a better place for you than where you are right now, God would have already put you there. And so you are where you are in the midst of what you're walking through. And I don't know why, and you don't know why, but God loves you, and he's there for you, and he's working all things together for good. So though you may want to change it, though you want to control it, it works out better if we just say, all right, God, you take control, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. Fourth, we can also experience this kind of love. And this is where the story, may you just become in awe of, of how Mary and, and others respond, right? We can experience this. Mary experienced God's grace and favor. She experienced God's grace, right? She was favored. You found favor with God, the scripture says. So today, you and I can know and experience God's forgiveness and love. This isn't just something for your neighbor. This is something you know. And I love, I love what it says here in verse 37. There's so much good truth here. For nothing Will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you come in here, man, broken and hurt and messed up, and you've been through things I can't even begin to imagine. Just maybe. Again, I don't know your hearts. Maybe you're genuinely thinking, "Can God possibly love someone like me? Can God possibly save someone like me?" Well, if you believe the scriptures as I do and it says for nothing will be impossible with God then that nothing means you you are not impossible for God to transform for God to save for God to use in an amazing way so you can experience his love and lastly verse 38 man is just blown me away verse 38 we can share his love look what Mary says and Mary said behold I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I can just almost guarantee you, I don't think I would have responded that way to that kind of news. But that's how Mary responds. She says, I am your servant. Here is a young woman who put her faith in a God she believed could be trusted, and she believed genuinely loved and cared for. You and I need to respond this morning simply this way. I'm your servant. Do whatever you want to do with me according to your word. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to stop giving excuses. I'm going to stop putting up these walls and these roadblocks for you. I'm just simply going to humble myself. I'm going to begin to walk in the love that you have showered upon me. And I'm going to begin to share this love with others. And what does that look like? What does it look like to share the love of Christ? I like what Augustine writes, it has hands to help others, feet to hasten to the poor and needy, eyes to see misery and want, ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. This is what love looks like. That's why this love story blows anything away that you could ever find anywhere else. Because you and I never, would have seen this coming That a holy awesome righteous creator sustainer of the universe whatever could ever allow wretched sinners like us into his presence see god knew you and i would never work our way there so emmanuel god with us god came to us Jesus came to us. For wretch sinners like us. Church, does God love you? Yes, yes, yes. If you're not walking in that love, my prayer for you is you begin to walk in that love. And if you're not sharing that love, then my prayer is you begin to share that love with other people, telling them about the story of God's grace. If you walked in here this morning feeling hopeless, Maybe you're to the point that many of those in Japan get to, that many people here in our own backyard get to, where you feel hopeless, you feel lost, you feel broken. I've got good news of great joy, and his name is Jesus. And All you've got to do is come. You come and you find rest in him and you be saved. You let us come alongside of you and love on you and help you and disciple you. And you'll be a life that was changed all because of God's grace and because of his love let's pray Father God I don't even know if there's any words that I could possibly even utter right now that could thank you enough God for what you've done in my life God the work that you've done in my life all because of your love because of your grace so thankful, God, for for just your providence and your leading over these last several months, thanking you, God, that you've led my family here, thanking you, God, that you've surrounded us with the people, God, that it is, it is evident have the love of Christ in their hearts. And God, I, I do got a feeling, a, a belief, God, that the majority of people in here have already experienced your love. They They put their faith in you and, Lord though they may have some struggles they they would say yes God loves me I believe that and they're trying to walk in that but Lord my concern this morning is that there might be somebody here visiting with family just walked in Lord off the street and they don't know you maybe they've never heard the gospel explained before till right now but I can think of no better gift that they could receive than the gift of salvation this Christmas season just pray your spirit would move in their hearts and that they would they would confess their sinfulness and believe, take hold of Jesus Christ right now. And God that they would just come forward in just a moment and say hey I'm giving my life to Jesus I want to be saved from my sins I want to follow you. I want to follow him. But Lord maybe there is somebody who is hurting who's grieving, who's broken. Maybe they need prayer. God I pray that they would feel the freedom over these next couple of minutes to grab a friend by the hand and say hey will you come pray for me at the altar anybody here is wrestling with God's love or God's purpose or playing? God, just just draw them near to yourself. Lord, as we gather with family over these next several days, prepare us for that. Prepare our hearts. Give us patience. Give us kindness. Give us a love. Give us grace. Give us boldness to tell them the greatest love story. God, you came to save us. Lord, speak to us, we pray, as we sing. Give us that blessed assurance we can say, Jesus is mine, and I belong to God because of Jesus. Speak to us now in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'll be here at the front. As always, the altar's open. If you need to come and pray for any reason, if you need to come speak with me, come do that as we sing this song. Remain standing, if you will. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And didn't our kids do an awesome job in the choir? Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Man, so much talent here at Northside. I praise the Lord for that. Just one announcement. I want to remind you about tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to gather here for our Christmas program. Uh, There's some dramas. The choir's going to be singing. Uh, We're going to to do the Lord's Supper together. We've got a candle lighting. So please come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Invite your neighbors, invite your friends as we just continue to celebrate uh, Jesus Christ. In just a moment, uh, Steve Whiting is going to come and dismiss us uh, with the word of prayer. But before we do that, we're going to sing, We Need a Little Love. The theme was love, and so we're going to sing that. And when we're done singing that, Steve is going to come and close us in prayer.